Welcome to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizens' Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today, Barbara Morton, the Deputy Chief Veterans Experience Officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Lori Ruderman, the Initiative Lead of the Reimagine and Buy Smarter Initiative at the Department of Health and Human Services. Guy Kiyokawa, the Deputy Director of the Defense Health Agency. And Quimby Kayser, the Federal Advisory Principal at KPMG. Welcome to the discussion today. Before we get started, let me set some context for our conversation. The latest customer experience data from the Forrester Research found only two of the top 15 agencies improved between 2017 and 2018. Department of Veterans Affairs, Barbara, and healthcare.gov website both saw increases of at least four points. The National Park Service and the Postal Service remain the highest rated agencies to offer services to the public, while TRICARE, the government's managed health insurance for service members program, also held its rank of third best program. By the time the next round of the Forrester scorecard or really any ratings or, or rankings come out, agencies are expecting to see improvements across the board. The reason for such optimism comes from a growing understanding of what it takes to provide exceptional customer service. A recent study by the Partnership for Public Service, for example, highlighted three key concepts that drive better customer experience, develop a department-wide strategy, expand employee perception of who the customers are and what they expect, and make sure the leadership has clarity and feedback from those customers. We know improving customer experience also is part of the president's management agenda. New data about agency progress is expected to come out in late June. In the meantime, OMB is pushing forward with other initiatives around customer experience. It's accepting ideas and potentially awarding $900,000 under its Government Effectiveness Advanced Research or GEAR Center initiative. One of the focus areas for the GEAR Center is helping agencies connect federal programs with quantitative and qualitative understanding of the people they serve and capture the voice of the customer in order to continuously improve federal services. And finally, agencies have more optimism because OMB established and is now measuring government-wide metrics around customer service through the A11 guidance. So you can tell there's a lot of parallel efforts that are helping agencies understand, improve, and most importantly, develop first-rate customer experience services. So how can agencies bring these initiatives together continue to make real progress, get, the, get those scores higher. Well, that's where our panelists come in. Once again, our panelists are Barbara Morton, Deputy Chief Veterans Experience Officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs, Lori Ruderman, the Initiative Lead for the Reimagine and Buy Smarter Initiative at the Department of Health and Human Services, Guy Kiyokawa, the Deputy Director of the Defense Health Agency, and Quimby Kayser, a Federal Advisory Principal at KPMG. I outlined a lot of what's happening. There's a ton going on. So let me turn to Laurie and just start with you in terms of over at HHS and Buy Smarter Reimagine. All of this is about the voice of the customer. So what is your strategy? Well, the voice of the customer is critical to us, and we have so many different customers. Our first customers are taxpayers. We serve them. That's our primary mission. But we have so many other customers, um, the vendor community, the Congress, um, the President of the United States. And so one of our key strategies is stakeholder engagement. We find that by meeting with our stakeholders, our customers at every level, listening to them, documenting what they think they want, looking at what they think they want, and finding ways to meet them where they are helps bridge the gap and bring them satisfaction. So you hit a lot of the, the if you will, the, the great buzzwords, meet them where they are, understand what they want. What is, let's take a step deeper into the strategy. What, what is that strategy to do that? Because if you're saying everyone's our customer, then isn't nobody your customer? Actually, we do a lot of stakeholder engagement where we have something called a foraging model, where we map out all the different stakeholders, and all of our stakeholders are our customers, whether they're people within HHS or taxpayers. And we map out our stakeholders at different levels, and then we have stakeholder engagement activities. We meet with them at off-sites. We do mission roadshows, listening tours. We have communications over communication. Um, there's no such thing as over communication. And so we're trying to meet at every level. We meet with HHS leadership. We meet with HHS subject matter experts in the field, everyone from the, the deputy secretary all the way down to the nurse on the unit at CDC um, to find out what they need and how to get it to them in the way they need it. Let me turn to Guy, because you also have maybe a, a, a smaller base of, of customers, but a huge one nonetheless, right. Defense Health Agency. Talk about your customer service strategy. So it really nests within the larger strategy. And, and just for some background, uh, in 2017, the National Defense Authorization Act directed the Department of Defense to move the management of the hospitals from the Army, Navy, and Air Force to the Defense Health Agency. So that's a big movement that we've got going on right now. And to your point, 
we actually have some measures to track to ensure that, quote, we don't break anything in the process. And part of that is in keeping that engagement with the customer. For us, the customers are defined as the beneficiaries, so those who are eligible for care within the Department of Defense. But we also define the Army, Navy, and Air Force, along with the combatant commanders as our customers, especially as we transition to the management of uh, those hospitals. So it's a little bit twofold for us. It's nested in that overall strategy and the direction that we're heading forward on. And what I would leave you with is that our real focus that makes us different from other healthcare organizations is on what we call readiness. Remember, the Department of Defense is not here to provide healthcare. We're here to be prepared to go to war and when required, fight and win the wars. And there's a medical element to that. So how we support that while balancing it with the 9.4 million beneficiaries that we're responsible for starts to drive then that engagement strategy with our customers. And if I could, as uh, Laurie said, the feedback is a key part to that. Uh, at each of our hospitals, we have patient family uh, forums. In fact, it got to the point where uh, Congress wanted to see it standardized across the enterprise uh, because we were doing it a little bit differently between the Army, Navy, and Air Force. At our level at DHA, we meet uh, monthly with the military service organizations and the veteran service organizations, and they represent their membership and provide lots of good feedback. And we've gotten to the point where some of our ideas, we bounce that off of them to see whether or not it meets some of their needs of, of their constituents. So that feedback piece and the strategy of engaging customers as part of our overall strategy focused on readiness. You make an interesting point early on about making sure we don't break anything. How do you ensure you're not breaking something? What, what is that part of that feedback with the VSOs and MSOs? Or is that, are you looking at those metrics differently? So it's, it's all of the above. Uh, as everyone else could probably uh, emphasize, uh, you know, patient satisfaction is a key component. It's, it's, you know, it's as much art as it is science to try to get that feedback and really get at those core issues. But beyond that, as part of our measures, we look at uh, one of our big ones is access to care. Right? So we look at uh, what is the access to care standards uh, within the de uh, Department of Defense, both for our, our hospitals that we operate, but as you mentioned with TRICARE, the TRICARE contracts provide that supplement to those hospitals. And so it's the access to care standards for both what we call the direct care system, which is the hospitals, and the purchase care system, which is the TRICARE contract. So all of those measures to include patient safety and quality become important to ensure that as we do these big, uh, this big transition that uh, we stay with the standards that we set for ourselves. I think your point of it's more uh, art than science, we'll, we'll, we'll hit upon that quite a bit during our discussion. Uh, let me turn to uh, Quimby from KPMG. One of the things that was you work with uh, federal clients or if you even work in, when, when you guys at KPMG work in the private sector, what are some of the trends you're seeing about the strategies that whether you just heard from Lori and Guy or just more generally that you're seeing some trends? Well, I think first and foremost, um, have a strategy. So <laughs> it's really good to hear that organizations are developing a strategy and thinking about their, their customers as becoming a more mature capability that organizations have. I think we would um, like to see organizations obviously learn who their customers are. So that includes getting research and having a strategy around that. Uh, we have a, a think tank, um, the KPMG Nunwood Customer Experience Excellence Center that's been doing research for 10 years on what the ideal customer experience is, uh, that quintessential experience, and has distilled these elements into six pillars. And those are universal. Uh, research has shown that uh, it doesn't matter what you're experiencing, those attributes are the same. So know your customer, know what those attributes are and how those manifest that in your business. And then, then you have to do the hard work, which I think knowing your customer is hard enough. You have to do the hard work of having the organization enable that experience to happen consistently. And I think that's where what we're seeing from a commercial perspective and certainly in, in, the, in the public sector, that's hard. And, and it's hard for organizations to do that transformation that's necessary. All right, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, okay? Yeah. You're gonna okay with this? I'm good. Six pillars. Six pillars. Can you oh, name I, some oh, of them? I knew you were gonna put me on yeah. the spot. I'm a journalist, come I, on. I, 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 I can, I can uh, probably come up with four. Tell me, tell me your favorite three. <laughs> um, personalization is key, which I think you'll probably hear from others as well. Um, customers want it to be on their own terms, and personalization requires data. 
Uh, so this one of the second pillars is integrity. I'm not going to give you my data unless mm -hmm. I trust you. And you've, yes. you've brought up trust a number of times too, Barbara, um, in other domains yes. as well as being important to the VA. Um, there's also um, you know responsiveness um, as well. Um, I would say are my my the three prominent ones, uh, personal or the personalization and the integrity. What we're finding go hand in hand and are almost equal. Because if I don't trust you as an organization, I'm not going to give you data. Uh, if I do trust you, I will give you more data, um, and it becomes a, a cyclical. It becomes a system. So you can't have a personalized experience, which is the epitome of what you want for customer experience mm -hmm. if you don't trust the organization to give you your data. All right, we will do a link as well to the six pillars on federalnewsnetwork.com when this panel gets posted, because I think people will be interested to see what those are. Uh, Barbara, a couple of things that popped up uh, during the, the previous discussion is, is trust, integrity, mm -hmm. keywords to VA. I had a great conversation with one of your colleagues, Lee Becker, because yes. uh, uh, VA was the recipient of a customer service award recently, mm -hmm. and we had, got, I was lucky enough to talk with him about it, and yeah. those issues came up. But you guys have a huge goal I think at the end of September yep. to improve your trust even more. So let's talk about your strategy and sure. we can tag around to the trust issue. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having um, me here. It's wonderful to be on this panel uh, with some colleagues of mine in this orbit of customer experience, both industry and government. Um, in terms of our strategy, so it really is about how do we hardwire customer experience as a core principle and a core operating model in the department. And that's really our kind of North Star driver. Um, we've done it in a number of ways over the last few years. Uh, first and foremost, we have a wonderful secretary whose number one priority is customer experience, which is really tremendous to have that type of leadership vision. And the way we're trying to execute that is, is threefold. One, what we've um, determined is that we need to identify clearly what are core capabilities in a framework within which to operate for experience. The core capabilities that we've identified um, really go to customer experience data. So always talking to your customer first and foremost before you're designing any service area and having that real-time customer experience feedback so you can measure in real time what you're doing and the impact you're having. The second is you have can have wonderful data, but if you don't put the data to work by creating tangible tools for employees to empower them to deliver better experiences, the data is not going to really do as much for you as it possibly can. So we built a number of tools in concert um, with the Veterans Health Administration that's been an early adopter for us in the hospital space um, to really try to deliver those, those great experiences. Um, the third kind of core capability is technology. Everything is technology nowadays. It has to be um, certainly veteran and, and caregiver family member facing, but also employee facing. Need to be state of the art and meet those expectations that we all have now in the real world outside of government. And then the fourth core capability for us is really about that in-person engagement on the ground, really having a listening um, capability in the local communities um, so we can really understand what's going on at us at a macro and micro level. So those are the core capabilities that we start with and that we identified for VA. The second sort of component of the strategy is really about governance, and that is something that's unique, I think, to, to government. In an organization as large as the department, we need to be able to have some sort of formal governance structure to make sure we can hardwire those customer experience data and insights into how we make decisions. So that's being stood up and is live now, um, which is really exciting. The third and final piece of the strategy is really about accountability. And when I say accountability, we mean it in terms of an organizational level, which is where the A11 comes in and the president's management agenda, but also at an individual level as well. So this year um, in fiscal 19, we now have customer experience performance metrics that are included in all senior executive performance plans. We also recently amended our um, CFR, our Code of Federal Regulations, Title 38, Part 0, which it really represents our core characteristics as an organization. Those core characteristics now include customer experience principles. So we have a lot of drivers um, that we're focused on in terms of this overarching strategy, to your point, which is to really build trust um, around how veterans and their families interact with the department. There's a ton there in terms of to kind of dig out from, but mm -hmm. one of the things that occurred to me, and, and let me I'll maybe start with Barbara, but let me open sure. it up to everyone on the panel, is when is the strategy too complicated, too mm -hmm. complex? Because in many ways, customer experience should be very simple, right? Mm -hmm. What do your customers need, and, and how do you know what they need, and then how do you meet their needs? So sure. you went through seven to eight things, mm -hmm. and I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot to for your office mm -hmm. and for VA across the board mm -hmm. just to kind of sure. balance. 
So I think, um, so yeah, so I think what, what we do is we take a multi-pronged approach. I don't think it can be a once and done. I mean, the principle, the directive from the White House and also the Secretary is very clear. Number one priority is experience. Now, what does that even mean? It might mean different things to different people, but a way for us to bake it in so it's not personality driven and it's not a trend and it's not a fad is to really make sure it's included in governance, it's included in accountability metrics, it's included in our regulations, and really helping to kind of drive us all in the same direction. I think people need those guardrails um, to, to focus on. In, in terms of um, you know, your point about you know, complexity versus not, at the end of the day, it really boils down to the individual, to your point, and there's an employee engagement piece of that as well. And so we want to, whenever we're building these kind of tangible tools based on the great data we have, we want to make sure that our employees and other stakeholders that we're working with internal and external to the department are involved in that design work. And that's really radical. It's very different. We're not just making something and deploying it. We're actually bringing the customer in, bringing the folks, the employees who are actually going to be delivering that service in and designing together to bring that, that personal connection with it. Quimby. I would, just, um, I would also add that I think no matter what you're transforming, and you know, yes. put, put in customer experiences what we're talking about today, but no matter what you're transforming, strategy and execution have to shake yes. hands. You got it. And there are things that you do from an, uh, a strategy development perspective and things that you need to do from an execution perspective, regardless of what you want to accomplish, that you have to do. And you named a few of them. Yes. You need governance. Yep. You need feedback. Yep. You need input from who your customers are. You have to know what your goal is and what the outcome is that you're trying to accomplish. Yes. And hold yourself accountable. And hold yourself it. accountable to yep. it. So all the things you, you just described in my mind are really the building blocks of any successful initiative that any organization is taking on. So. It, you know, I think if you distill it down into its components, you have to, there are certainly must-have things that you need there, but then I think there's some options that then you can consider, okay, what do we focus on that have those priorities? And we're gonna actually go into that focus area in a second, but first we have to take a quick break. So hold that thought. <laughs> You're listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizen's Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Innovation. Everyone says it. At KPMG, we know actions speak louder than words. For over 100 years, KPMG has helped federal agencies adapt to changing times with innovative approaches. Today, we're helping agencies advance in areas like cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, blockchain, cognitive analytics, and secure cloud. Let our past experience help propel your future forward more quickly and with greater agility and efficiency. Become future ready with KPMG. Visit futureadygovernment.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizen's Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Barbara Morton, the Deputy Chief Veterans Experience Officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Lori Ruderman, the initiative lead of the Reimagined Buy Smarter Initiative at the Department of Health and Human Services. Guy Kiyokawa, the Deputy Director of the Defense Health Agency. And Quimby Kayser, a Federal Advisory Principal at KPMG. Laurie, just before break, you had wanted to jump in there and I, I had to, we had to take a break, but one of the things that Barbara and Quimby were talking about is how to deal with the complexity of, of the customer experience. There's so many customers, where do you start? How do you balance it? Jump in a little bit and explain, because as you talked about at the very beginning of the conversation, everybody's your customer, and, and I made the comment, well, then nobody's your customer. So how, how do you prioritize, if you will? Well, we've leveraged change management from day one with the initiative that we're working on, recognizing significant impact to our customers at every level. So we've, we have a large change management team, and one of the things we're utilizing to help optimize the customer experience in this change is human-centered design. When we are developing new processes and practices, it's really easy to say, we think this is what our customer wants, but by observing them in their work environment, by observation and intervention, stepping in and saying, you're doing this this way, is that the best way? Can we come back and remap that? We can um, change to meet the customer's needs instead of expecting them to change to meet our needs. It's interesting, human-centered design has been brought up with the software development, agile and iterative, and now really I see it, I hear more about the customer experience piece. Uh, Barbara, you're shaking your head there. Yeah. What is it about this concept that is 
I'll call it new, but it's not really new. Well, it's not new. I would say it's it's relatively new to government. Um, and one of the things that we do is we always want to look to industry and see what industry does and sort of translate what they do and bring it into government. And one of those best practices is human-centered design. Again, fancy way of just saying talk to your customer <laughs> before you start you know, spending money and, and diving into solutioning. Make sure you understand what their journey is with you. Um, and, and understand what their needs are so we can actually apply our resources to meet those needs rather than what we think in terms of our own org structure and how they might fit into our org structure. We want them to kind of know how we fit into their lives instead. Uh, Quimby, isn't this just logical? Shouldn't you talk to your customer? Like, like what, what do we know that, that, yes. that the, the customer doesn't know? You, you, would, you would hope so. I mean, even what... 30 years ago, Lean Sigma, you start with your customer. I mean, it, it's actually the same things, just I think we're thinking more critically about it. We have different tools that we can apply, like journey mapping, human-centered design, um, to help us focus on what that customer's experience is and translate that into the organization. Yep. Uh, even you know, journey mapping, I think the, the, the government has embraced that and, yep. and I think is starting to develop them. You know, they get developed, you put them on a, in a frame, mm-hmm. and you put them up on the wall, and there they sit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably, you know, and, and I think commercial entities are struggling with this, too, because you want to be done. You want to just say, hey, it's all static now. We know who the customer is, and now we need to meet those expectations. It's always evolving. So the making it just like a strategy, actually making it real and operational, and uh, expectations change, the environment changes, mm-hmm. um, the tools have to be used yes. and also iterated in order for them to be effective for the organizations they're in. And that goes for human-centered design as well. And I think that's a great point, the iteration that you need of it's the customer changes and the customer's needs change and you have to be able to be flexible. And that actually leads us down the path around this idea of contact centers, right? For, for years, uh, growing up, we were talking about this uh, before the panel started, of, of uh, Growing up in the 1980s and, and the, the famous Pueblo, Colorado, right? Found all your information from the government, from the one email address or the one uh, snail mail address. But now things are so much different. Maybe, uh, Barbara, start with the, this idea of contact centers really changing. Yeah, well, it is. And I mean, I think um, from, a, from a veteran and family member perspective, when they want to connect with VA, you know, that's, that's obviously a, a main channel for us. And so we've been leading an effort to modernize contact centers, and there are a number of dimensions to that. Um, the first and foremost is to make sure that we are you know, responding to the needs of, of the caller. So having training and the right knowledge management across contact centers at an enterprise level is really important. Um, the second piece of it is really from the employee perspective, again, that sort of duality of customer experience, employee experience, making sure that the data systems are integrated. And so when a veteran calls one contact center and then maybe calls another, the agent can see the same information. So we're leading that effort. Again, it's a best practice in industry. Um, we know this, but in government, it certainly has been um, a little bit of a challenge for us to get there, but we are, we're on that track. And Guy, jump in as well, because one of the things that as you guys merge together or bring together the hospitals under the DHA, mm-hmm. you probably, each hospital or each service maybe had their own way to c- contact that that set of hospitals or that set of data, those doctors. How are you guys dealing with this multi-channel, if you will, approach? Right, so that was really one of the drivers that the Congress was pushing for is standardization, not for the sake of everything being the same, but uh, from a customer experience perspective. uh, In fact, you know, I'm a beneficiary. I spent 30 years in the Army, and uh, every time I moved from hospital to hospital and my wife had to engage a different way of uh, gaining access to healthcare, she would come to me and say, Aren't you in charge of this? <laughs> you need to fix this, right? Uh, the good thing is I've been getting less and less of that, so there's maybe a measure there someplace. But the whole point is that, uh, you know, for us in the healthcare side, that, that initial contact frequently is just the appointment line, right? And so we've done things like a nurse advice line. Uh, and so the, the variation you speak of is not just from hospital to hospital, but it's in our direct care system with our hospitals versus when you have to go through our TRICARE network. So our contractors actually create a different uh, level of experience. And so as we bring all of this together, how do you integrate it so that I as a beneficiary, the burden's not on my back, right? The system has to support that integration almost automatically. And I think that's where technology can start to help us. We're on that path. I won't say that we're there yet. And as long as my wife keeps bugging me, then I know we're not quite there. Uh, Quimby. And I think what you see where government is is, is the um, breaking down those silos of the different ways that individuals can contact an organization, contact centers, 
um, the web, uh, te you know, um, telephone, um, text, and mobile. Yep. And what we're seeing is is that organizations are now putting those groups together to actually say, hey, this is just different ways of contacting people. So that sort of that front office consolidation. Commercial entities are now taking front office, middle office, and back office and doing that integration. Um, at KPMG, we call that the connected um, enterprise because eventually, to your point, Guy, the information that the organization has should be available to the person you're contacting. So I think the government is still um, maturing at a different pace, which isn't you know, unusual. Uh, I think where it's going to go is, is what is happening in the commercial realm, which is almost total integration yep. you know, across the enterprise. One of the things that, that this, however, is leading down the path to, and we're going to get to technology in a second, but maybe Barbara could jump in a little bit, is how do you balance out the, that, that awful automation mm -hmm. right, that you call up and you're just getting this automated person yeah. or the automated voice saying, press one for this and yep. two for that yep. and three for that. I mean, as, as a user, I can tell you, as a customer, sure. I hate it. Well, I'm, I'm not the, a veteran, so maybe. I'm always the person that presses zero, right? <laughs> I want to zero out. And yeah. so we actually, um, what we did is we actually, my office um, runs a 24-7 a live agent answer hotline. Um, and when we started to stand up and build the capability, we wanted to learn from our customers what they needed, what they wanted. Obviously, having a real person to talk to was was number one. Number two is they also shared with us that they would feel more comfortable speaking with somebody who understood their experiences in the military. So what we did is we hired um, veterans and family members of veterans to meet that need. So about 90% of our agents are either veterans or family members of veterans. And so that's a tangible way that we're folding the customer need and the customer preference right back in upfront to the design of a capability that we're delivering. Lori, let me bring you into this because you, you come from maybe a different perspective. We have a lot of medical, really, and HHS, HHS does a ton of medical, but from your perspective, you're in, in really the acquisition world. You have different customers. You have internal customers who say, hey, I want to buy something, or hey, what's the latest on this commodity IT thingamabob? Give me a sense of how you guys are addressing the contact center piece. The contact center piece, I actually came from that in Health and Human Services. That was my first role in Health and Human Services, so it's ironic. But um, the contact center, you really have to look at the different generations and how they interact with contact center technology. Certain generations want a live person, but other generations want to go straight to a digital environment. They want to be able to chat and text. They don't want to talk to somebody. They want to chat and text. So looking at that multi-channeled experience really needs to be the new direction for the federal space. And I think, I think you make a great point. The multi-channel texting and, and, and uh, chatting is actually something that, uh, as a user, I also appreciate because sometimes it's easier to get that question versus the call, um, which leads us down the path of the technology discussion. And, and Guy, maybe jump off because you said something very interesting. Uh, there's a balance that agencies and, and any organization really has to achieve of, of not chasing the technology, right. but okay, what, what's the business need and making sure you understand how is DHA ensuring that you understand what your business need is for this new shiny object? Right. So historically, because we were operating as Army, Navy, Air Force, and DHA, we had four systems and actually a fifth, which is the TRICARE, uh, Managed Care Support Contracts uh, area. Uh, but Everyone had uh, a different, uh, not different, but somewhat aligned, but different way of executing their strategies. And by doing that, then, like we all do, we all buy these devices. And quite frankly, I'm not sure as individuals we even know what the need is. Somehow, industry has done a great job of showing us that we had a need that we didn't know we had. Uh, but for us, it's really more, since it's federal government uh, dollars, is what is the requirement? And is that a requirement that's standard across the enterprise? And then how do we go about acquiring a system or technology that then can support those actual requirements? It's, a, it's what we do in the Department of Defense for acquiring weapons systems. And so I think uh, past leaders have actually taken that and applied it to business system acquisition. And it's really a more methodical approach. And in fact, we have applied that to our electronic health record MHS Genesis, which we started deploying in the Pacific Northwest. And it was interesting when the first acquisition guy came in and all of us medics were sitting there, we said, who is this guy? And he doesn't know anything about healthcare. And then we realized, you know what? We don't know anything about acquisition. <laughs> and we don't know how to hold ourselves accountable to what our requirements are so that when we get the solution that it's actually meeting the requirements that we stated were necessary. Laura, you must be a little warm inside the fact that the acquisition and talk, yes. talk through it. 
Well, one of the things we found recently is we're starting to use new technologies to analyze our acquisition needs across the department. And what we found is that the vendors have been better sellers than we have buyers. Um, we found huge price differences from the same vendor for the exact same product, depending on when it's bought, which organization it's bought within the department, and that we have so much redundancy and duplication and effort within the department. So we're really leveraging technology to standardize that and to streamline it. And that'll give better outcomes to our users in the field, the doctors and nurses on the ground, the people responding to Ebola. Um, using data to drive our decision making will ultimately benefit our mission. Laurie, I'm so excited that you didn't say those two words, AI, machine learning. <laughs> I will say it for you. But you said we're using data to, to, to yes. make better decisions. You just didn't say, well, the AI, the ML, and the cloud, and we got its synergies of the leveraging. So thank you for that. But let me, let me turn to Barbara, because you guys also are, are, are putting a lot on the technology side yeah. as from a business perspective. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, so one of the things that, that we heard from veterans, again, starting with the veteran, the customer, the journey maps, um, the human-centered design, is um, VA had, has dozens of websites, and it was very difficult for them to navigate. Navigation is a, is a common challenge that, that veterans tell us that they have with, with the department. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to um, make sure that we could create a front door for veterans that they know that they could land and go to and start interacting with the department. So when we went out and did some research, um, we found that the brand of VA, VA.gov in particular, was actually a strong brand. So when veterans were thinking about transacting with the department, they thought about VA.gov. So what do we do? We redesigned it based on their feedback, based on their needs. So co-designing with veterans, um, we, you know, if you invite everybody to take a look at it, VA.gov, very proud of the website. Working with the United States Digital Services team uh, from the White House, and these are industry technologists, really brilliant minds, um, knowing how to do technology, bringing those industry best practices inside the four corners of VA. And we now have a website um, where we're measuring the customer satisfaction, the experience, and it's gone up by about 11 points um, since we launched back in November, which is pretty significant. Um, we have you know, a simple way for veterans to see the top transactions that they do with the department right up front. We have a, um, a personalized login profile. It's still in de development and design, but it's a whole different look and feel than it was before. And if you're not familiar with the redesign of, of VA.gov, uh, actually won a um, Service to America Medal Award, Marcy Jacobs, who is the yes. leader of yep. the uh, USDS piece of it. Yes. Uh, it's a great story. I've got a chance to sit down with her several times. Quimby, yep. uh, jump in, connect all the dots here around the technology because so much of what happens is important and relies on technology, but, but Again, let's let's. I think I think you see this on the commercial side, and in, in our commercial organizations, um, it's easy to get enamored with the new technology or the new capability, uh, AI and machine learning. I'll, I'll say it. Um, <laughs> That's okay to say. Know, it. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop there. Um, and I think what we're finding in the research we've done and, and the clients we work with on the commercial space is that it's very easy to go find and fix and actually not improve something that the customer even cares about and sees. And if the customer doesn't care about it, why are you doing it? And so I think back to you know Guy's point about know what your requirement is, tie it to something that matters. Commercial organizations are now going back to fundamentals. They're getting pragmatic. Maybe this is where government can you know, meet where the commercial team is, which is you really need these foundational building blocks. You have to know who your customer is. You have to have the data. The, the one you have to have, you have to be measuring the right data. Yes. You have to have governance around that data. And then you have to be able to understand what that data is telling you um, before you're going to be able to use all these whiz-bang tools. And it's really neat stuff that's going on out there. but. I think the, 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 the building blocks are what people are finding they really need in order to really catapult themselves to that next level. Whether Guy or Barbara or Lori, just jump in real, just real quick. Do you feel like those building blocks have been happening in your agency over the last three, five, seven years, or is it something more of a new phenomenon? Laurie's shaking her head, so you get first. I think it's only been in the past three years that we've really been leveraging the data. There is so much data. It's in legacy systems. It's hard to get to. It's unstructured, and until recently, there really weren't tools to manage the volume of data that we have. So we are excited about the tools that are coming out on the market, making sure that we're not jumping on the latest shiny new toy rather than focusing on what do we need and what's available to get us there. But now there's more and more available that we can get to quickly and inexpensive. Um, the new technologies are far less expensive and far quicker to deploy, and they're vendor agnostic. We can move from vendor to vendor very quickly as well. 
So our story is back to the data is uh, because of the shiny objects, we had all of these applications that everybody focused on interfaces, right? And what you ended up with was a spaghetti. Uh, what we've done as part of the transition is we're collapsing Army, Navy, Air Force, DHA, IT infrastructure into a single infrastructure, which is amazing if you ask me whether we'd be able to do that 10 years ago. And what that's done though is that's uh, moving us forward we're sitting on a gold mine of data within the Department of Defense, and people are trying to get at that data. And I hate to admit it, but you know, unless we spend a lot of time to find the sources and put it together, it takes. It's not easy. It, it should be easy, and I think what we've done to answer your question is build that foundation, kind of as a one standardized uh, system, and then we're going to leverage the electronic health record to be that source of input of that data. And then the neat thing is that because the VA is on the same instance of our electronic health record, we're kind of moving together. Right now we have a, a joint legacy viewer that you can only see the picture of the record. So at least it's information, but it's not digital. And as we move forward with our Cerner product, the VA moves forward with their Cerner product, we're going to have that digital interface. So it's very exciting to see what the opportunities are for data mining in the future. All right, very good. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue the conversation. You're listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizens' Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Innovation. Everyone says it. At KPMG, we know actions speak louder than words. For over 100 years, KPMG has helped federal agencies adapt to changing times with innovative approaches. Today, we're helping agencies advance in areas like cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, blockchain, cognitive analytics, and secure cloud. Let our past experience help propel your future forward more quickly and with greater agility and efficiency. Become future ready with KPMG. Visit futureadygovernment.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizens' Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, Barbara Morton, the Deputy Chief Veterans Experience Officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs, Lori Ruderman, the Initiative Lead for the Reimagined Buy Smarter Initiative at the Department of Health and Human Services, Guy Kiyokawa, the Deputy Director of the Defense Health Agency, and Quimby Kayser a federal advisory principal at KPMG. Before break, we were talking a lot about the technology and not the, the goal of not chasing the technology, really looking at the business. One big piece of that also is understanding what success looks like. So Guy, maybe start off with you guys are, are bringing together such a large amount of people and, and, and services. How do you measure success? So I mentioned in the, a little while ago about our transition measures to make sure things don't break, but we didn't just make those up. The, those were actually coming from our overall enterprise system performance, and we have something called a quad aim. So as I mentioned, our focus is on readiness of the force, but also health, uh, better care, and lower costs. That's our quad aim. So then we break down to specific measures, and the way we developed those measures was Unfortunately, as you bring a group together, you kind of tend to get to agreement. And <laughs> you hope at least, right? Well, unfortunately, the agreement piece becomes your driving criteria, right? So then you start to ask your que the question, do you have the optimum measure in this case, or is it just one we could agree to? So I would say if you're in that situation, it's not bad to get to that agreement, but then you gotta have a process that continues to move that measure. What we found is we started to measure more process as opposed to outcomes. And so the real key is how do you take that as a starting point and then get to true outcomes? And in our case with hospitals, how can the hospitals then focus on those outcome measures, do the necessary changes in their day-to-day -day operations? And in our case, it would be in performance improvement and then change those measures. But more importantly, if you've come up with a better way to do it, then how does that flow up through the system so that we can spread it across the enterprise? So. That's kind of the concept. I would say giving a kudos, I'm an Army guy, so I gotta give kudos to the Navy. Uh, Navy Medicine actually did a really good job with that bottoms up approach and we saw the dials move. We've taken that approach to the enterprise and that's what we're kind of looking at to kind of operationalize the results of some of those measures. And a measure could be something as simple as if someone's walking out the door, do they press the happy face, the smiley, you know, the unhappy face, and it could be something more complicated as in the time spent with patient, or again, we're looking at the outcome, not the 
the process, which was did we process that piece of paper in 12 minutes or less? Right, and so as I mentioned before, you know, timeliness to getting appointment, right? Uh, there are multiple measures in that lane. Uh, on the health side, you know, we're trying to dive into the space that industry has dove into, like leapfrog, which is kind of comparing hospitals in a geographic area based on some of their quality patient safety measures and really looking just like the way we look at Yelp or Amazon, you know, with star ratings and being able to just make it very simple. And if you want to dig into the details, you're able to dig into the details. It's interesting you brought up Yelp or, or star ratings. People hate that sometimes, right? But at the same time, it's, it's you know, we all use it. I, I can tell you that, you know, when I'm in a different city or different part of the, the Virginia or something, and I'm looking at Yelp for, for restaurant reviews. Barbara, are you guys using, what, what are your success yeah. metrics? No, so great, great question. So I think there's there's a constellation of performance metrics and data, I think, in any government organization, and all are important, but I think some have had more visibility than others. So in the Department of Veterans Affairs, historically, there's been a lot of focus on the operational metrics, meaning how many cases have you adjudicated, how many hearings have you hold, how many appointments have you scheduled. Those are very, very important, but we also have to include in the balanced scorecard, of course, the experience metrics. And so the way we do that is, of course, we always start with a journey map, human-centered design. We understand what the customer's journey is with VA and understand the moments that matter most to them, right? And then we measure ourselves, our performance, against those moments that matter most to them. So as an example, in the healthcare space, um, working with the Veterans Health Administration, again, early adopter, great partner with us, we mapped out the patient experience uh, for outpatient services and those moments that matter. And then we mapped them against trust, overall trust. Was it easy to have that transaction? Was it effective? And did you feel emotionally um, like it was an emotionally resonant experience and a valued customer? And the health administration actually performs quite well in all of those domains, high 80s, low 90s, which is wonderful news. Um, but we know that we're measuring the right things because we're measuring the things that matter most to our customers. Quimby, are you seeing a movement within, either, again, the federal agencies or the private sector around kind of that measurement of success? Is it getting away from process and more towards outputs? I think you have to have both. Um, I think that people drown in data. I mean, if you think about it, you're trying to understand your customer, you're getting yeah. data, you're measuring your operations, you're getting data. I think uh, there's a movement to simplify and really come down to the things that are important for the customer. Yes. I think the moments that matter, Barbara, mm -hmm. that you brought up are key, mm -hmm. is understanding what really matters. Because we can measure a lot of things mm -hmm. that actually really don't matter, yeah. uh, whether it's an input, a process, or an output. And I would always say the outcome measures are the most critical because you want your inputs in your process to then mm -hmm. correlate to your ability to achieve those outcomes consistently well. Um, I would say that as we, what we're seeing is as we learn, people are simplifying and getting more pragmatic about what can we really absorb, what can we really communicate to people. I think, Guy, what you were explaining is if the people on the, on, in the front line don't understand what you're measuring, it's almost impossible to move the needle. I think that's a great piece of, of moving the needle. Where can you have an effect? And, and Laurie, maybe talk a little bit about your success metrics, but also that piece of you don't want to get stuck in that, that data, data, data and, and be overwhelmed. Well, I think one of the things we struggle with is our leadership wants us to measure cost savings, cost avoidance. That's what the taxpayers want, but we don't want care to suffer. We touch people when they're sick, when they're hurt, when they're scared. We need to make sure that our mission comes first. And if we can drive cost savings and cost avoidance, we can revert money back to the mission. So we measure the cost savings, and we're projecting a $720 million a year cost savings once we're fully implemented. But that's only going to tell us that the users are adopting what we're doing, that they're happy with what we've built, and that they're happy with the way it's working. If we don't build it well, they're not going to come, and we won't see the cost savings. So I hate to tout cost savings as our primary metric, but it really does show us if we're doing th things the right way. And, and Guy, in the same vein, cost savings is big for... The, the defense health agency as you guys are merging these hospitals, right. but it, it can't, it's a factor, but not the driving factor. Right. How do you kind of balance that, that over pragmatic approach to collecting the right data to, for the right metrics to make the right, right. decisions? Right, so, so how we nest, because remember we're not the defense health agency as an agency in the federal government, we're part of the Department of Defense. And so the Secretary of Defense's uh, three main objectives uh, increasing lethality, strengthening partnerships and alliances, and reform. Uh, interestingly enough, we're at the heart of that reform piece. 
And as, as was mentioned, you know, it's, it's not a driving factor, but because of the way we run finances in the federal government, it is a piece that you can get to is, for our case, in reform to actually show how that then translates into increased lethality for the Department of Defense. So how do we do that within our space? Well, it's back to some of those metrics again. And, you know, in the federal government, we kind of have a, kind of a quirky way of running finances because we have fiscal years. And so what we're trying to do right now is, besides those measures then, is looking at these enterprise initiatives. Because remember, where we started is the Army, Navy, and Air Force each did a function on their own a different way. So how do we do it across the enterprise, keeping sure we're staying with those outcome measures, but then gaining some of those efficiencies that sometimes is not just technology, but as I was saying before with requirements, is sometimes aggregating demand signals. And I think we are finding that's where we're getting the biggest savings. For example, in a geographic market, if you have multiple hospitals and they're each cutting a task order against a contract for uh, healthcare providers, don't, we have already aggregated the contract, but there's some savings. The real savings is, okay, don't have five different task orders for five doctors, have one task order for five doctors, and then you can get a better price out of it. And that's what we're trying to go after right now. And Barbara, jump in here too, because VA has a big budget. You guys keep getting more money, mm -hmm. but your, your job gets bigger and bigger as, as well. Yeah. So while cost savings is one metric, it's mm -hmm. also the, the data toward decision-making is, is what's really key. So yep. the pragmatic approach mm -hmm. to both the, the data mm -hmm. driving decisions, but yes. also driving cost yes. savings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a taxpayer. We're all taxpayers. So I'm, I'm very um, conscientious of that role as a steward. And so certainly want to always find efficiencies in terms of what we're doing. And, and for me, I'm a very practical person. I do believe that when you start with the customer first and design around the customer, ultimately you're going to get a better product and result for them, which is ultimately going to save, save time, energy, money, and resources. So um, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm grateful for is that our um, current secretary and leadership has been willing and, and wanting to invest in the capability of customer experience that customer experience can bring. So going forward, we can provide better experiences and, and, and realize those efficiencies and cost savings as well. Quimby? I was just going to say, I mean, if you go to Forrester's research on customer um, experience, the data shows over and over again, if government organizations <laughs> focus on customer experience and look to improve the mm -hmm. customer experience against those dimensions, yep. you'll get better, you'll get people looking to get information from the organization, you'll have better adherence to the things that you need to have happen. Good things happen when mm -hmm. people focus on customer experience as a way to focus initiatives yes. and um, uh, think about your effectiveness with the constituents you have. Mm -hmm. We're almost out of time, but before I let everyone go, there's one other piece to this that we have, hasn't really come up much during this conversation, but I think it's, it's, it's very important. As you have these high-touch systems, as you are reaching out to people, whether, again, through contact centers, through websites, through texting, through, through mo mobile communications, chats, there is a cybersecurity component to this. Mm -hmm. And I think the balancing of cybersecurity with accessibility is one something that, that I think agencies and, and organizations have always struggled with. Guy, maybe you, you start us off on this sure. one too. How are you finding that balance? Right, so one of the, the key things in the Department of Defense, obviously security is everything, whether it be physical or now with the cyberspace, and it's evolving, right? Uh, just when you think you had the standard, the standard change changes. So the real question is how can you be agile, not only on the cyber side, but to your point, how do you balance that with your operations? So. For us with our new electronic health record, it's meant to be interactive with the patient and the customer, which means you gotta have those portals to the public, which scares the daylights out of the cyber guys because now you're exposing the data, which you know protected health information is not just about your personal information, but the threat of being using that data against people as an as a actual weapon. So we're trying to balance that, uh, as I mentioned before, by bringing together the IT infrastructure and literally having our own medical IT infrastructure that has connection to the DOD, but they just as well have us operate separately from a security standpoint. We still have to apply all the same security standards, but we're now in a more cordon off space so that we can have those interfaces with the public and also with our friends in the VA, which quite frankly, I'm a veteran, so I interact both with the military health system 
and the veteran system. And my expectation is it's all connected. Even though I know it's not yet, my expectation is that it's going to be all connected. And I know VA is going down the path of, of identity management, credential access yes. management. Yeah. ID me is yep. an example. Maybe talk a little bit about how you're finding that balance. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting. I mean, trust is, is really our, 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 our goal, to, is to earn and to, to maintain trust in all the veterans and family members, caregivers, survivors that we serve. Cybersecurity, of course, is a delicate issue for us because, you know, there's nothing more important than protecting PII um, because that drives a lot of trust that, that our customers have in us. So I think this is a perfect example of how um, government has to navigate things in a slightly different way, maybe than industry does. Certainly industry has to protect privacy as well. But because we are stewards of um, personal information and taxpayer dollars, there's just a higher standard for us. So that balance definitely can be tricky. I think it's definitely achievable. And with respect to the electronic health record, one of the things that we're trying to do is, is work closely with that team to make sure we can bring that voice of the customer while they're, they're co-designing um, you know, the solutions that'll be rolling out. And, and I love what you mentioned, Guy, about you know, from your perspective as a customer, you expect those systems from DOD to VA to be integrated. And that's exactly what we're try- the experience we're trying to achieve while preserving privacy. And Lori, jump in here real quick because you also have uh, on the emerging technology side, then that adds another com- layer of complexity. Well, actually, that provides a unique challenge for Health and Human Services. Our former director of acquisitions is now our chief information officer, and in his former role, he established a brand new technology infrastructure for the department. And now that Jose Arrieta is our chief information officer, he's opening doors to these new and innovative technologies in ways the department has never seen before. But our infrastructure, our security infrastructure, is designed for that old legacy system model. Authorizations to operate can take a year, 18 months, and by then our, our technology is outdated. So we're going to have to develop new infrastructure to make sure that we're secure, but that we're meeting the speed requirements that are coming forth with the newer technologies. Well, on that note, we're going to, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. This is a great conversation. I really appreciate everyone's time. You've been listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizens' Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG. On Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, let me thank my guests, Barbara Morton, the Deputy Chief Veterans Experience Officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs, Lori Ruderman, the Initiative Lead at the Reimagined Buy Smarter Initiative at the Department of Health and Human Services, Guy Kiyokawa, the Deputy Director of the Defense Health Agency, and Quimby Kayser, the Federal Advisory Principal at KPMG. Thank you so much for your time today. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search KPMG. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Transforming the Citizens' Digital Experience in Government, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.